Hello and welcome to another episode of Oilcast. I'm Greg Newman, the CEO of Onnit's Capital Group, and today I'm joined with Darina Elzane, our flagship presenter on Flux Live. So every week we go into stories about oil and oil swaps, and today we're going to talk a bit about outlook for oil and gas prices, Russia-Ukraine, and a bit more on lifestyle. So a quick reminder before we get started, this podcast is also filmed in person, so you can go and check it out on YouTube. Getting straight into it, Darina. Um, first things first, uh, obviously a lot going on in oil and gas markets all yes. year, and particularly in the last few weeks. But what is, what is the attention around now with people you've been speaking to? Yeah, I mean, I spoke to a lot of industry experts, a lot of uh, analysts, traders in the market. Um, of course, we had the SPRs, we had OPEC Plus, we had um, like the sharp sell-off in crude prices, uh, especially like after the variant. Mm. But mainly what's been taking the headlines was the Russian-Ukrainian kind of conflict and how is gas affected. So on that, I spoke to, again, to like many, uh, you know, like LNG traders, gas experts, mm. Uh, and I'm not quoting anyone on this, but yeah, I've been hearing like different, you know, opinions. Um, yeah, but well, gen generally speaking, I mean, that, that so you're saying, you know, away from all that stuff that's happened, now the focus is more on gas again, yeah. and the Russia-Ukraine kind of tension mm -hmm. is is becoming a big deal again. Now, now I was just saying to Jerina before, this kind of historically wasn't that interesting for oil and gas markets. Yeah. Um, I remember in 2014 when it first, the conflict started to really start. Um, you know, we tried to get long fat price, I remember it, trading, uh, no, nothing really happened, no volatility, yeah. if anything, it was down on the day. So it was kind of generally ignored throughout yeah. the years, despite it being on news agencies. But it's very different now yeah. because of the gas situation, right? Yeah, I feel like the gas prices have been uh, really driven by like headlines, especially from Russia. It feels like all like market uh, you know, like players, you know, like they're watching uh, every Russian move and... Uh, Are you also saying that, that there's a difference between the Western media and, yeah. and the Russian media about how it's being portrayed? Yeah, so, but we exactly. do, we, this is a serious situation, right? I mean, Yeah, because, you know, like if you want to talk about like Russia and like Russian gas, you have to really look at it from a wider perspective as in like what's happening in um, geopolitically, let's mm. say. So uh, recently we've got like two days ago or three days ago, like we've had that this like big news that Russia is going to invade Ukraine mm. and traders basically like, you know, panicking. Yeah. panicking but you think that's from the Western side, you think? Yeah, basically. this is from the Western side. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, like for me personally, when I heard the news, I was like, come on, guys, mm. you know, mm. but. But that's because what you've. Yeah, because I do, like, I speak Russian, you know, and mm. I do watch, like, Russian newsletters and, like, I read articles and stuff. So it's always, like, different opinions from mm. both sides. Um, so you, so you're, you're generally, you generally don't believe, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, but you no, think that I there think, isn't the fear, yeah. the Russians don't have the same fear of things taking off? I mean, I, I personally think that after we've watched Biden and Putin on their mm. virtual meeting last time, um, I think, you know, uh, Biden was very clear in saying that any move from Russia uh, would uh, push the U.S. into imposing very harsh sanctions. Yeah. And personally, I think that Russia, not, perso not personally, but I think like um, a lot of traders and analysts in the market, uh, especially maybe from the Russian side, let's mm. say, uh, they're really saying that Russia cannot really afford any any more sanctions because, 
I mean, uh, I'm not quoting again anyone, but uh, some people from big banks in Russia, they're not able to trade on the exchanges because of the sanctions. So imagine even having more sanctions, like how would this deteriorate like the economy in Russia? Plus, uh, we've seen like if you look at the indexes, the MOEX Russian index has been uh, down and it's been not performing well for like the past month. Mm. Um, equities like stock is equities like Gazprom, Tap yeah. Neft, Lukoil, they're all like down 5, 7, 10% from this move. So there just isn't an appetite to raise aggression because the economy was just, it's just too unstable is essentially what you're saying, right? I mean, yeah, I just fear. think like Russia cannot really like internally Russia, I think it's a bit suffering, let's say. Yeah. Even though, you know, they say like the gross domestic product, uh, like, you know, yeah. they've been increasing like year on year, but I think the overall economy in Russia cannot afford any more sanctions. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, what, what, can, it, what, can, it really f what can we really expect to happen as a reaction? Now, we're not trying to be political or anything like that, but no, objectively, not, yeah. I think that um, yeah, the US has made it very clear, yeah, even yesterday, exactly. that it's not gonna put boots on the ground. It's, it's, that's not mm. really, that's not, <laughs> that's not a route they're gonna go down. Yeah. So it's gonna be economic sanctions if there yeah. is a reaction. And I guess they were saying that on a sanctions point of view, the mm -hmm. Russian just isn't really in the state. I've actually heard very different things. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that actually the oil and gas ruble denominated price is actually fantastic or like one of the yeah, highest I mean, ever. Yeah, exactly. So they are clearing debt internally, yeah. but I guess it's the access to the wider markets that inevitably yeah. is, is gonna be an issue. And I think yeah. um, it's the most relevant because of the gas situation. But yeah. the, the key I thing really is, go on. Yeah, I personally think, you know, like this whole um, like um, kind of, I just feel like it's an intimidation game yeah. happening between, um, you know, like the West and Russia in a way, because I feel like none of the countries are really, you know, like able to afford war or like any, mm. you know, like disturbance at the moment. So, um, but on this economic yeah. sanctions point, we, we had a, you had a guest in you. That's right. Uh, I spoke to Dr. Andre Belli, who's the CEO and founder of energy consulting firm Balesen. Um, and this is what his opinion was on the Russia-Euro relationship. Certainly, uh, with reducing capacity bookings via Ukraine, there is a visible attempt from Russia to convince Europeans to pass quickly the certification of Nord Stream 2. The other side of your uh, sentence is equally right. In large part of uh, European stakeholders, and not especially stakeholders, but uh, policy and uh, expert communities, appeal to Russia to increase the availability of natural gas to the spot markets. But Gazprom already su supplies sufficiently on long-term contracts and is not legally obliged to fill up the um, spot markets, right? And what is actually interesting here is that a number of um, experts appeal to conclude a certain agreement with Russia. And I always wonder, on what terms would you conclude an agreement? Does it mean that, for example, the European Union should re-incentivize to conclude long-term contracts with Russia? Is what actually Gazprom might be interested in, right? But that would mean that all the efforts in liberalizing gas markets in Europe would be at least put under question. Or even worse, would be 
the question of sanctions or other political compromises be on the table because the question of concluding an agreement with Russia implies a political agreement and hence political compromises. Yeah, that's no, I completely see where he's coming from. I mean, ultimately, yeah. this is why it's so important for, for oil and gas markets. I mean, it's, it's yes to do with um, the political side of Ukraine, mm -hmm. but really um, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and the fact that Russia has essentially been holding back gas and is how some people see it. Uh, yeah. or at least not committing to supplying more that, that Europe clearly needs. Those are the things in play. So, so as much as it's nothing to do with oil and gas really in, in Ukraine, it's going to have, it's definitely going to have huge yeah. impact. So you can see this is, I mean, oil, gas prices have been rallying again back above 100 on TTF. For sure, like this is going to continue be, to be the case. And I think, yeah. I think what did surprise traders, at least from my point of view, mm. is they thought this whole negotiation by media that with the EU mm. and Russia mm. would lead to you know, some kind of compromise for Russia and they would actually start filling up. And Putin did actually allude to the idea yeah. of filling up, uh, you know, more, more gas in, into Europe. But then every, every week the auctions came out, so actually it was the minimum amount. Mm. They're not, they're not, they're, why would you give up your bargaining or your leverage ultimately? Mm. So the leverage is working from the West, you have the sanctions, from them they have the gas supply. Yeah, you know, exactly. If you turn on Nord Stream, if you commit to long-term contracts, which is what he was saying, then we can kind of all agree that yeah. we're not going to invade Ukraine <laughs> or something on that region. But like, we don't know how it's going to play out. But like anything else, the very least, we can expect things like this to have an impact on volatility. Yeah. And, and, and gas hasn't had the same respite that oil has had. Oil was heavily overcommitted, hmm. way too much media hype, enthusiasm and, and denial, despite all the bearish things. So we, we did get that sell off that was you know, the evidence clearly suggests that was de-risking, right? A lot of long selling out. Yeah. So now it's a bit freer to move with things like gas. It decoupled from gas. It was mm -hmm. kind of nothing to do with gas anymore. Yeah. And now it seems to be, you know, balanced enough in its positioning mm -hmm. that it can start to move with everything else, geopolitics yeah. and, yeah. you know, strengthening macro market, it looks like as well. So very interesting for the end of, end of the year. But I, I've got to point out as well, like there are a number of factors kind of, working against each other into the into mm. the new year. I mean, I know from the oil point of view, yeah. we're looking at oversupply, and I know you spoke to a guest about yeah. the potential of that, but also there's um, the this situation, there's the gas situation. Mm -hmm. So oil flat price, oil crude futures are now on their way back up. Yeah. But it's very, it's very much against the underlying fundamentals, which are weakening, time spreads are weakening, differentials are weakening and crude. Yeah. People aren't as bullish. So you've got gas and outright oil moving up, underlying markets moving down, all mm. these different things going on. It's volatility for sure, yeah. but uh, I, I, it's, it's going to be interesting what kind of leads the way um, with oil into next year as like, the leading narrative. So, so you spoke to someone about, about that. Yeah, uh, I actually, exactly like I spoke to Dr. Youssef El-Shamari, who is mm -hmm. the CEO of Sea Markets, an energy and consulting firm as well, yeah. uh, based in London. And um, yeah, I, t I asked him like the same questions as you just mentioned, you know, where do you see oil heading in 2022? Mm. And what do you think uh, about the oversupply given that OPEC is, you know, sticking to its uh, supply output? The uh, increase we're going to see today is effective in January 2022. And mm. there's already an expected surplus between one to three million barrels in Q1 2022. Um, and that's uh, excluding the effect of Omicron and SPRs. 
the 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 increase in demand is not expected to cope with the rise at the rate of uh, rising supplies. Uh, demand is currently estimated nearly 100 million barrels, and assuming we don't have any, uh, lockdowns during all restrictions and travel, mm -hmm. and the uh, it's not expected to rise by more than 101 million barrels in Q1 uh, next year. So I believe the supply is going to be slightly higher, and that's what's uh, keeping me a bit concerned about prices in the beginning of 2022. Yeah, this is, this, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is what I was saying about the denial towards the end of the year. The SBRs, yes, fine. Some people are shrugging it off as temporary. But we're going back to, you know, 100 million barrels per day supply, you know, in a situation where it could only really get worse from a demand point of view, right? We've got the Omicron, we've got other things. So I just, it was, it was amazing to me that people were just shrugging it off. You know, yeah. one of the leading narratives has been there is not enough investment in yeah. uh, oil production and so oil is just going to go up because there's, there's not enough yeah. oil in the world that is a ridiculous thing to say in the, yeah. in, in the midst of a OPEC cut for the first firstly mm. second US production is only going back up despite yeah, what yeah, people yeah. seem to be saying so I think he's absolutely right there is a lot of supply to come on they can do it at a whim mm -hmm. and in the meantime the demand story is largely gone which was mainly based on you know returning demand from COVID, yeah. coming out of it, and even inflation, things like that. So mm. I think it's, it's, it's going to be very difficult for oil to have this like long-term bull story in 2022. However, I've got to say that the gas situation is coming back in, into mm. focus. I think it was a bit of a lazy kind of link for people who wanted to be bullish before, but you can see now propane markets have been destroyed, right? Mm. I mean, to the point where you know, that you can talk about financialization and clearly yeah. that had a big say in it, but it's gotten to levels now where you think it is so much, so discounted mm. to gas and, 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 and yeah. they are ultimately fundamentally linked. So I do think that that's got a way to retrace. I think uh, gas oil to some extent too. So if gas mm. does continue to really perform like it has continued to do so, and if it's exacerbated by Russia yeah. and Ukraine, then I mean, come on, we, 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 there's, there's got to be some upside for yeah. these heavily ga uh, gas-linked oil markets. But for the overall crude oil price, it's a very different thing, right? Yeah. So, um, no, very, very interesting indeed. Okay, so moving away from uh, the wider macro side of things and into the more granular, I mean, you're, you're here and you've been, you've been presenting on Flux TV now for, for, for a while. And uh, really, it's, it's centered around the daily kind of report. We, we're mm -hmm. calling a bulletin. Yeah. Um, and tell me more about that, right? Because we, we, we worked on it together, but you've kind of, you've, you have taken it on a lot more yourself. And, and the idea was to give a more specific yeah. uh, rundown that actually could help oil traders day yeah, to day. Exactly. And, and I hope that's what we're achieving, but certainly there's, yeah. a, there's a long way to go. But how do you, how do you feel it's gone? Yeah, so as you mentioned, you know, like we uh, started this bulletin. We sat down many times. We had like long discussions on why we think we need to do a bulletin every day and how we think we can really add value mm. to traders. So every day I, um, you know, I wake up, I, you know, I start like, Scour just, the earth all the yeah, just like looking stuff. over everything that is being written in the market. Uh, and try and get it specific to yeah, actually exactly. what impacts oil prices. Because it's ironic, isn't it? We see things like oil price and oil markets yeah. discussion, but really it's all about it's, the physical, yeah. right? It's not it's about- It's really like physical, yeah. but what we try to do is really look into paper and see like flows mm -hmm. and 
things that are affecting oil prices uh, more than just like a Nomicron headline five days ago. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, as I said, you know, like every like the first part of the bulletin is to talk about crude futures uh, spreads, what is happening, what is driving prices up or down. And, and you take that from like the leading narrative first, right? You see what yes. the other agencies are saying. Yes. And be like, OK, so clearly this is the narrative that yes. people are holding on to. Mm -hmm. But then I like how it has some respect for you know the wider macro market you've got the equities but then of also course, yes. now even bitcoin right because there's so much money in bitcoin <laughs> and, and other cryptos yeah. that how it's moving it, it's, exactly. the, it's it's the ca it's cash flows so that's yeah. flows right so yeah, it has exactly. an impact so uh, yeah we do look at like asian stocks u.s stocks european yeah. stocks everything we look at uh, different indexes uh, different like currencies as you said you know like the general and macro kind of mm. uh, sentiment in the market yeah. And then also uh, from that, we move into what we like to talk about is the oil swaps. Mm. So, um, but it's quite a nice anyone, link, right? Because yeah. you've, got, you've got the headlines and you've got the things that are kind of driving, you know, a lot of different people trade the outright price. Mm -hmm. But then if you want to dissociate or disconnect between the people who trade the outright price for yeah. your pension funds, for macro yeah. reasons, linked to equities, things like that, versus the people who are actually looking at the granular oil markets, mm -hmm. oil swaps is so much more... Uh, like reflective of that, right? Yeah. So, if, so you know, an overnight move is up, um, overnight move up in the spreads. It could be completely macro led, yeah. but if you look at the oil swaps, you can at least see, yeah. right? So, okay, so the market moved up, the spreads moved up. Oh yeah, and turns out last yeah. night or the end of the day yesterday, there was there was a sharp move up in the North Sea window, yeah. and yeah. that's actually the underlying market yeah. that prices Brent, and that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so. We go to the Onyx Hub uh, benchmarks, which yeah. is uh, all be benchmarks uh, done by uh, you know Onyx and Onyx methodology. So uh, we do look at Asian refinery margins and European refinery margins, and we see uh, what is driving these margins up or down. Is it, as you said, like is it the North Sea or is it uh, product related? So for example, and which product related? And yeah. which product mm. exactly? And we do look at like everything: spreads, cracks. Mm. Uh, we see like uh, in each product, like let's say gas oil, is it the Eastern products? Is it the European products? You know, so uh, we I do. I think it's great because you, yeah. you can see like where the flow is yeah. that is driving markets exactly. alongside the narrative, alongside the physical. Exactly, yeah. And at the very least, you can say, okay, it's just an observation. Or it might, it might yeah. work into something very interesting that you hadn't thought about that mm -hmm. might change your view. Like for instance, yeah. you know, we have a trader WhatsApp group uh, mm -hmm. and... Yeah. Um, you know, people talk on it, and for a time, it was always like, okay, gas desk, LNG desk, like what's mm -hmm. happened to gas? Yeah. So it's come up in the morning, say, yeah, gas is up today, or it's down mm -hmm. today, or this. Yeah. And then you look at the other markets, and yeah, gasoline's up, NAFTA's up, so you're like, okay, great, so it's, you know, this has got to go up, like, or, yeah. or that kind of thing. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so we try to mention uh, every day, you know, like, as I like to call it, like the star product, or like the most important yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. thing to talk about. Yeah, I mean, just, just moving away from, from that a little bit, I mean, what's always interests me about yourself is, you know, you speak so many languages yeah. and English is not your first language. So when you talk about a technical subject, mm. it, it has its challenges, right? But how, how have you found that? Because clearly you're fine yeah. now, but there must have been a challenge as you... Of course, yeah. you know, like when I first joined the industry, it was really like, I was really like, what is EBOB, what is MOBJ, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, like yeah, that yeah. was really hard to kind of... Uh, understand but I mean like you know with the right support I would say and the right training and you know uh, 
yeah, right I mindset mean, think as well. The right you, mindset, yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. Like when you want to learn something, it's really easy and you just have to really like be focused on it and be motivated to actually mm. learn mm. it. Mm. You know, and from my experience, like I, you know, I studied Chinese when I was in university. Uh, I speak four other languages. So I think, you know, uh, being able to kind of shift uh, from language to language. And of course, like English, as you can see, it's not my first language, but you know, I'm trying to manage. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, when you when your brain switches from like one language to another, it really helps it to kind of be, uh, you know, like uh, healthy and sharp. Yeah, and no, you that's great. Yeah. I just had a curious question because it's, <laughs> you know, all the technical side. So, you know, you're speaking in the language, yeah, da, 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 e-bob, yeah. you can't <laughs> not say it in the colloquial yeah. English way, right? Of course. But yeah. people will understand that in different languages, right? That's an accepted yeah. way to speak yeah. about markets. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, but generally, like, I try to focus, uh, not try to focus, but I mean, like, I know a lot of uh, experts, like, let's say, in from the Middle East, you know, mm. and I thought I'm going to be speaking Arabic with them. Mm. Mm. But it turns out that, no, I really had to speak English, you know, mm. because it's really, like, easier, I think, yeah, to say yeah. Ebov than say something else. What's funny is <laughs> even, like, the dollar-denominated nature of oil. It's like, why is it dollar-denominated? <laughs> it's just easy, right? Everyone yeah, can yeah. get access <laughs> to liquidity for it, and it's just everything's priced on the dollar. True, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting um, but uh, you know the other thing that was interesting that we actually mentioned before <laughs> was how we're starting to bring like crypto into into yeah. like what's happened day on day because yeah. there's just so much investment and flow into it if suddenly you know the price is gonna halve mm. that's not like it was before when it was like yeah. oh okay well it's just crypto yeah. doing its thing I mean yeah now you can't really ignore what's happening because in it's affecting market. so many people as well exactly as say, right? so and people actually you know like they're starting to see Bitcoin as a hedge for inflation instead of gold I yeah, mean yeah, like you know like some people uh, are really like against Bitcoin but when you see this uh, this happening you know like you cannot just say that no yeah I think know. for me is in like the inflation thing that's fine I mean people are searching for a kind of narrative to understand how it's going to yeah. be driven but but more like, until that's figured out I think the yeah. main thing is because so, like every trader we every oil trader yeah. we know is in, <laughs> is in crypto so it's as if it's not going to affect someone's day and that's what it's all about yeah. if crypto is getting annihilated and someone's savings is just halved which is <laughs> actually true in some scenarios then they, that's going to affect their trading day yeah and i think that's and what like, trading is all about yeah, right? and i and, and i also think that sometimes you know like traders are really like into trading so you know the crypto market is open every day you know yeah so don't get uh, me started with that i mean the amount of traders who like they like they have six jobs i have yeah. someone telling me buy this coin yeah, or yeah, like yeah, jump yeah, yeah. into this so yeah i think 2020 in general um because of the work from home i guess and and all these like uh e-toros and things like that well no i was saying in 2020 it started oh, okay. right? everyone's at home <laughs> oh, and, okay, and, yeah, and, yeah. and the, the the digital trading like just went berserk. Yeah. So that's that's followed on into 2021. Yeah. And it's just not only that, like we've had this like big bull run in equities in particular. Mm. So I think yeah. I'm not saying it's been easy to make money, but just kind of a buy only yeah. strategies have definitely worked. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. a lot of people have done well. A lot mm. of Robin Hood traders, things like yeah. that. Like GameStop, the, yeah. the saga there, that was really interesting for everyone. Yeah. So you know, it, it's it's fine and everything, but it's um it is quite a bit different year on year. Mm. And I think going back to oil markets, I mean that yeah just needs to factor into people's understanding. Like oil is heavily, heavily, heavily financialized now, which means yeah. that the mindset of the macro world is as important as supply and demand uh, yeah, fundamentals. Exactly. You have to add that component because if exactly. people are positioned, yeah. then they will react to things. And, and that is what's gonna drive markets. Like for example, 
you know, the GameStop thing, yeah. no one actually believes that the stock should be like 4,000% or yeah. whatever it was yeah. higher. No yeah. one actually believes that's the value of, but the value is set by buyers and sellers. Yeah, exactly. End of story. Yeah. So <laughs> people need to accept that in oil as well. And there's, there is, yeah. there is this, this element of not accepting that. But then people seem so fluent in our market about, mm. about understanding equities and un the granularity of, yeah. of, of trading flows and Bitcoin and things like mm -hmm. that. But when it comes to oil, there's like complete resistance. Yeah, yeah, I mean, do you yeah. find that as well? Am I going mad? Yeah, I do find that. Yeah. I, I think like a lot of people really like uh, think that the oil prices are just driven by like headlines, you know, and like mm. supply and demand stuff. Mm. But uh, as you always mentioned, mm. I mean, like when I joined, I was like, you know, Greg is always talking about like, what do you say? Like, like the market's driven by like flows mm. and like different, different, different stuff, you know, it's not really related to the, you know, you like know the it. physical market. Yeah. So I would, I'd always be like, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like, how is this? Yeah. But like now I, I do see what you mean, you know? Mm. So uh, I think right now, like any person, you know, you have to have like a kind of macro view on everything that is happening because you can actually see markets being connected in a way, like, you know, when you see a sharp sell off and like equities, you can see like, you know, cryptocurrencies being affected or like, you know, vice I think, versa. Yeah, so for, for me, I mean, yeah. remember, like, obviously, this is our speciality. So that, you know, us banging yeah. on about yeah. it is, you know, because this is where we're good and this is where we can add value to mm -hmm. the wider market. So I'm yeah. not discounting spine demand fundamentals. Yeah, we're it's not. Just, but yeah, there but are a lot of other factors who... Well, this, yeah. is, this is what I was going to say. I mean, for me, you have to have some kind of formula, right? So I'm going to... Mm. And, and again, this is what the bulletins are trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Here's a condensed version of everything you really sh need to know about to mm. frame your decision making. Of yeah. course... You need yeah. to go deeper and know about open interest and know about you yeah. know uh, supply and demand models, things like that. Yeah, you need yeah, to yeah. go deeper, but you also need to not ignore wider things that are going on because yeah. it will hurt you if you're not aware. Exactly, and one yeah. of the main ways it can hurt you is when things don't make sense to you because you've got yeah. a story for exactly. why markets are moving. And when yeah. it does something you don't expect and you can't find a possible justification, mm. you're on the massively on the back foot because and you start blaming people. Yeah. And it's and it's oh the market's stupid and this and it doesn't make sense. But that doesn't do anything for you. The market doesn't yeah. care about your idea the of what market Yeah, exactly, whatever, your emotions. Yeah. So it, you know, it's it's all about creating that formula. So I think all we all I'm really trying to say is mm. you have your formula that's worked in the past. Okay, mm -hmm. supply and demand, right? Yeah. Great. That works to you know have a very good understanding of what the physical market is doing, and therefore how physical prices are negotiated, mm -hmm. and therefore what the paper market should kind of be doing. But now it's so financialized. Yeah. You now need to add. Okay, but what's the influence of a macro? What's the influence from just people's positioning, speculative mm. positioning? Yeah, exactly. You have to have these components as mm. part of your formula. Otherwise, yeah. you know, yeah. what, what are you doing? So I think I think the market's kind of getting there with it. But yeah. we're always going to push this narrative because that's yeah. a our expertise and b yeah. it's actually more of a modern way of thinking of all markets. So that brings us to the end of this episode of Oilcast. Join us next week where we'll be doing more of the same. Make sure to sign up on Flux.Live. You can find all my market analysis and interviews there. You can also follow us on social media by searching Flux Liquidity Hub on Instagram and Flux-Live on LinkedIn. That's goodbye from us. Goodbye.